Hey folks, welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Dow. Hey everybody, it's Kirsten Cable here. Welcome to episode 24 of the Creative Language Learning Podcast. I'm excited to have you with me and today I'm here to share with you something that we haven't done before. We have a recording of the first ever live broadcast of the European Day of Languages live party um, that Lindsay and I had online. There were live listeners, there were interactions with comments, there was music, there was language talk. Um, it was really, really fun and I'm excited to be sharing this with you today. So, without further ado, what you're about to hear is an edited version of our live broadcast and hopefully you're going to feel just as if you'd been there, maybe with a little bit less frustration when things weren't quite working. <laughs> because this is the first time we broadcasted live. Of course, there was a lot of technology hoops to jump through. And I've also been suffering with internet slowness, uh, which has been remedied now. So stay with us and enjoy the wonderful... European language charts that we put together, the interactions with our different commenters and our discussions, both of our audio quality turned out quite well, so I'm quite excited to be sharing this with you. Before I go ahead and let you listen to the live European Day of Languages party of the Creative Language Learning Podcast, just a quick reminder that you can support us for free with no money at all and just by going online, going on iTunes and rating our podcast. I can't tell you how important this is. The Creative Language Learning Podcast is going to be here for you and we're going to be able to do more broadcast live again, have better audio quality and all that stuff. The more people listen, the easier that gets for us. So do help us out. Don't be shy. Share it. Tweet it, um, I don't know, put up a flyer about us in your local cafe. Whatever you do, we are extremely grateful to you for it. And without further ado, let's enjoy the first ever Creative Language Learning Live broadcast. Lindsay, there's an article that I wanted to mention or share with you that I recently saw. Um, and that was from the Metropolitan Police. There's like a news item, right? Right. And it was from the Metropolitan Police. And they said that in order to work for the Metropolitan Police, you now have to uh, have a, a level of proficiency in a second language. Like they're mm. only going to hire you if you can speak a second language. How crazy is that? I think that's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, for everybody's sake, uh, purposes, the, you, the Metropolitan Police, that means the police force in London... And it's to do with yeah. London being such a, obviously, it's such a multinational, international city. It's kind of ahead of um, many, many other cities. But one of the things I noticed about this article was that um, the actual languages, they're not really anything majorly to do with whether there are European languages. Do you think there's a value to being, you know... A European language beyond other languages? Because this is really just about need. So it lists languages like Arabic, Greek, Portuguese, and you know, Arabic, I guess, a European language to a certain extent. Not in origin, I suppose. But Hebrew and Yoruba, Yoruba, which is spoken in Nigeria. Um, so this is much more about where they need where they need people. Absolutely. I think, I think, and this is, this is, you know, where does, I mean, by definition of origin, okay, European languages, 
X, Y, Z, but by definition of a lang- European language as in what's spoken in Europe, that is such a much wider uh, selection of languages and such a much longer list. And I think that it's still just as valid. You know, if, if there's people in, in London that speak that language, then the police need to have some way to communicate with those people if, if their English, you know, isn't necessarily... Um, good enough. I mean, you know, when it comes to law and it comes to if someone needs to go to court, I think that everyone uh, should have the right to um, kind of, you know, a, a translator yeah, to help yeah. them understand. And they, they do. Pre- I, I, I I was, I this, a... this came up actually in my, in my, yeah, I think it is a law. Oh, yeah. I know it is in California. <laughs> it was in my Spanish essay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess California is almost not bilingual, but country uh, places like California, Texas, Arizona, I guess perhaps uh, Florida. You know, like the, the places that border on Mexico in the USA, they do, and not just Mexico because there's also, I mean, Florida in particular has got all of these um, Spanish-speaking islands very near it. Um, they they are you could almost consider them bilingual, but I think it's really interesting what you said about is a European language. A European language because it's it originates some in some kind of down the line academic you know like way from Europe or is it a European language because it's actually spoken in Europe and that is really interesting when you think back to the British census where European languages were or well British languages um, the mo- most popular spoken second language in the U- in the UK is Polish um, but then it very quickly went to um, languages like uh, Urdu and Hindi and the Sri Lankan languages, etc. And that's kind of what this uh, Metropolitan Police article reflects as well. So do you think those languages, would you ever consider them a European language? Would anyone consider them a European language because they're widely spoken in Europe? I think so in the sense of, okay, it's European Day of Languages. It, 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 it would be, the, the whole idea of having a Day of Languages is to be kind of inclusive and open-minded and to learn about other people and other cultures and other languages so I think the idea to say nope sorry you're not allowed in the club (laughs) so to speak (laughs) is quite restrictive and I think that defeats against the whole objective of what it's about so I would say that you know if someone resides in Europe and and their language is spoken here then yeah definitely it, it, it is classed as a language spoken in Europe and then in that, in that sense, in the idea of it's European Day of Languages, then, yeah, definitely, okay, well, yeah. that can be and that's know, included about, in, in, in events and so forth. That's about celebrating, again, celebrating diversity and celebrating kind of the language variety that exists in the world. Um, and you're right, it's European Day of Languages. It's not Day of European Languages, so probably we don't even really have to worry about it. It's about Europe is a, is a continent where... Mm, Probably, what, five, eight, nine hundred languages are spoken? And there are 250 that originate from Europe. And you can count languages such as, uh, I mean, from the kind of tiny British minority languages, say Scots Gaelic, um, up to German and English, which are very widely spoken. Yeah, I mean, you say there's 250 languages spoke that are, like are from Europe, like originate in Europe. I think isn't it something like there's over 300 spoken in London alone. So, whew, you know, it, it then becomes very restrictive, and, and I think the idea of them putting up 
sort of language borders, so to speak, defeats the whole object. So yeah, just whatever you speak, celebrate it, enjoy it, share it. Talking about your your Spanish exam, is is that kind of your favorite foreign language? Or do you want to, you know, like, do you feel a desire to learn more of the languages of Europe because this is where you're from? Or is there a language that you're particularly drawn to when you sort of look back at your family history and stuff like that? I think for me, it tends to stem from travel. So for example, I have a big um, drive. I mean, before I really focused in on the Spanish for this last year of, of study, I had a real big drive to learn Japanese. I'd been to Tokyo for a week and I was really interested in the place and I really wanted to see more of, of Japan and learn more about the culture. And so for me, I think we've said this before on the podcast that I find language is a really wonderful way to learn about culture, history, people. You know, it's like a means to do that. Um, and you get to learn a language and communicate with people as like a kind of bonus feature, <laughs> which is nice. Um, so yeah, like, I would say that there's a lot of Asian languages that really intrigue me and really interest me based on travel. But that's purely based on the fact that I've been to those countries. So then as soon as I go to a new country, it's like, ooh, well, here's another one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how's it? Um, how do you feel then about uh, Lithuanian, Latvian and Estonian, considering you've just been there? Uh, you must be dead excited to oh. learn Lithuanian, Latvian and Estonian. <laughs> I was actually really intrigued by all three because um, Lithuanian and Latvian were, they had their kind of ever so slight similarities, but were at the same time completely just not mutually, mut I can never say this, mutu mutually intelligible, right? So you, you, they, there were some things that were similar, but you can't understand the, the two languages if you only speak one. Mm -hmm. um, but then they're kind of out there on their own in terms of like relations to other languages. They're kind of in their own thing, which is really interesting. And then you've got Estonian, which is more closely related to Finnish in that same uh, Finno-Uralic uh, language family. Yeah, yeah. So that was interesting in its own uh, kind of kind of side of things as well. So it, it interested me in the sense that I would love to learn more about those languages, but I don't know whether or not I'd want to devote time to learning lots of all three of those languages mm -hmm. just because that's three languages the list is already so long Kirsten <laughs> I I agree that the list is the list is long this this oh, what can we do I mean yeah yeah it, the, the thing I did when when it was uh, 2012 European day of languages and I just started fluent and I was like okay I'm all new and I'm doing this Ooh. Um, and the thing I did was I just recorded myself saying something um, in 25 European languages um, just did it for fun as a YouTube video and I got so many comments kind of um, from from people saying oh well and, and people like proper going out and having arguments in the in the comment threads, kind of going, oh, well, Macedonian isn't a real language. Macedonian is just a dialect of um, something else. And, you know, like like Albanian, that's that's the same as Macedonian. And don't, don't, you know, don't say that's a language. And it's really, there's like these big arguments as well. So, you know, to, to really get into the nitty gritty of those languages, Jesus Christ, I mean, how much, you know, how many lives would we have to have in the world? But I agree with you that, you know, the, the fascination does come with, with travel and um this is for me with with swedish as well you know like swedish and danish fascinated me when i went to sweden and denmark they were absolutely great mm, cool <laughs> i hate the debate on what a language 
I, I'd love to know. Sorry, it's okay. A language is a diet with an army and a navy. <laughs> this is the thing. I, I was just going to say in, so in response to Israel's yeah. comment, but Andre has, has put it really nicely. Um, I feel that if people say, this is my language, then that is their right. You know, and it's, it's up to no one else from the outside to say, no, that's a dialect. If, if someone feels that what they speak is a language, then, you know, it's a language. Absolutely. And the other thing as well is about that language. And, you know, the whole reason we, we are here today, uh, you know, waffling on about languages and you guys are listening to it is because um, languages are about identity and it's about belonging, isn't it? So who are you? Who, who is anyone to deny somebody else uh, what they think their identity is? This is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is so true. Yes, I and agree. And in that sense, it's quite, uh, it's quite telling that, that, that Andre just said that's a Yiddish saying, a language is a dialect with an army and a navy. Um, and that's certainly an area of the world where, you know, you're like, sometimes people have to fight for their identities and language belongs to that. And ground and territory belongs to that. Um, and it's, it's strange, but, but as humans, I think we are herd animals and we want to belong to groups. And this brings me back to what you asked before, like, has the internet made language learning any more popular in the world? I don't know, but I think the internet has made public language learning more popular, if you know what I mean. So people, people are more likely now to identify themselves as a language learner. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. It also gives like a real um, sense of accountability, I think, you know, whereas I imagine if you go without the internet and you just say, okay, I've got my book, I've got my notebook and I've got my, my CD, um, I'm going to go learn. Mm -hmm. Then even if you tell someone, you can kind of only really tell a few people individually or in a small group. But to actually put something out there on the internet and say, boom, I'm going to learn this, I'm doing this, I'm going to do it by this date, it's kind of like, oh my God, now I really need to study because I've said it, I've said so, I've said I'm going to do it on the internet. <laughs> and it kind of gives that, that push. Oh, I really hate that, you know, I find that really, I find that really high Dude. pressure. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it at See, all. I find like, it really I feel, helpful. Oh no, I hate, I hate I, I just hate the whole thing of like, I don't, you know, this is why my language blog isn't about how I am learning Welsh or how I'm learning Russian or something like that, because I continuously feel like I am behind and I'm not good enough. And I think there is, you know, all that, that's why I really connected to what you said about language insecurity. I feel exactly like that. And to me, it's a, you know, I talk to people about how I learn and what works for me, but I don't want to sort of go around saying, I'm now learning this and I'm going to prepare and I'm going to reach level B2 in, in within a year. I just don't believe that, that that is, you know, that's a standard that I set myself, but it's not the standard that I want anybody else to comment on. So it's, it stays, I don't know, it stays yeah. more internal to me. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's more to, to me, it's more about celebrating the fact that languages are out there. Um, but uh, you are right for, for many, many people, the community does have that exact effect of, you know, keeping you accountable. I also wouldn't post that I'm going to do a yeah. marathon because then I'd feel really bad that I'm not doing it. Ah, that's interesting, actually. Yesterday, Ashley, my partner, ran a marathon. And before, he ran one in May and felt that it went really badly and was like, oh, I could have done so much better. And that was his first one. And then, so yesterday, 
um, everyone's saying beforehand, oh, how, what time do you think you're going to do it? What time? How long is it going to take you? What time are you going to do it? And, and he says, I don't want to say because if I say a time and I don't reach that time, I'm going to feel so disappointed in myself. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's so true. There's, there's, there is a big uh, level. I talk about this so much, yeah. the, the kind of similarity well, between already... language learning and exercise. And dieting, there's, right? There's... Or at least for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's definitely because you already you can already see what everybody else is doing. You know, you already you can already. It's so really it's so easy to feel like it's so easy to know all the stuff that you're not doing. That I think it's yeah it's harder to um, focus back on the things that you are doing, which which are usually brilliant things. And even if you're doing just something really little, um, it's probably not as little as you think, you know, because you're doing something and that's amazing. And it's, you know, I already feel so behind in, in exercise as well all the time. Cause I know, you know, cause I go to some classes where people can lift, um, I don't know, 20 kilo weights and I can't lift 20 kilo weights. And I'm looking at them going, oh, I'm such a loser. And you know, it's so easy to feel like a loser that I, I don't know if this is just because I learned I did learn languages offline for many, many years, um, not by myself, but in school. But, you know, that was before there was really the internet. Um, yeah, Eleni says, surely language learning and marathons are meant to be fun. Um, and I think that's, that's yeah. yeah, God, what are we talking about really? Just, you know, for some people it is fun to share your own achievements and to kind of, you know, and I think that's a very sane and sensible way of going about it. Um, and then, you know, for other people, it is a little bit too overwhelming and it can be a little bit too, I guess, scary to go for that. And then it's not quite as easy to go in along Absolutely. with the same um, feel. Um, which brings me back to, um, if, I, if I may, uh, the, the more joyful aspect of our podcast today, um, which is, you know, celebrating. And like we said, if you're going to have a celebration, you need to have some music. We have been... Uh, Lindsay and I, over the last few, um, well, over the last week, we have been, you know, asking people for their tips and their own recommendations of uh, international music. And uh, Lindsay's been very active on Spotify and kind of putting together different lists of um, music, etc. And we have got this sort of huge playlist. Uh, Lindsay, can you put the link in the chat room um, so that everybody can I'm kind of as you speak. check out the um, check out the playlist? We've got this huge playlist and it's really, really cool. And we've got, we've, and I still don't think we've got enough languages uh, in there. Um, so it's, it's forever probably going to grow. I believe it's collaborative, isn't it? On, on Spotify. So people can actually put their. It is. It is collaborative. Yeah. I mean, what I did was I went through Spotify. Did you know on Spotify, if you go to like the chart button, you can see all the charts in different countries. Mm -hmm. I only found this out recently. So you can see kind of what's popular. Yeah. in France, in Poland, in Finland. And then you can be like, oh, hang on a second. And of course, a lot of it is repeated. There was a lot of Justin Bieber at the top of the charts lately, all across Europe. He was up there. Yeah, well, yeah. So, uh, but obviously he wasn't very useful for this playlist. So, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't include him. No, Justin Bieber, who famously didn't know, what, he didn't know that German, what was it? He didn't know Germany was a country. I think they had him on an interview once and he was very oh confused goodness. by the concept of really? Germany. Yeah, but they said, they, they said to him, oh, Justin Bieber, you're really popular in Germany. Um, and Justin Bieber was very excited, except he didn't understand what a Germany might be. 
Yeah. True story. I've seen it on YouTube. <laughs> and one That's thing funny. I noticed when, as we were putting this list together, and certainly I don't... Mm, okay, so French is a hugely popular language in this, right? Yeah. So we've got... That's only because I speak French and I know some. Do you, Ah, see, I was wondering whether... Um, it might also be connected with the fact that in France, the is it the Académie Française have got a big influence, and they kind yes, of and know, they have a rule. They have, they have. I think they still have the same rule. I think they did a few years ago, at least in France, where on the radio, I think it's one in three songs has to be sung in French. Yes. So, I think that's I think that's yeah. correct. I don't know the exact sort of uh, percentages, but I also believe that, that that that's true. Um that makes it very very easy, I guess, to to get airplay and to be popular as a as a French um musician really, as a French artist. You can play a little bit um of each song and the artist to that probably stands out over the last year or two years in terms of French speaking music um, is a Belgian guy funnily enough is that correct Lindsay what do you think of him and how do you say his name how does one oh, say that goodness okay I say Stromae right like, and in English I'll say Stromae but I've seen a lot of English interviews where they say Stromae Stromae I'm like whoa Stromae but that doesn't make sense because like it's maestro maestro Stromae Oh, is that what it, it's maestro? My, oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was the first time I've looked really at that and understood it. <laughs> okay, it's, I'm sure some people listening will probably know this. It's something mm. called verlan, which is like French kind of backward syllable slang. Mm. So, I can hear it. yes, 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 yes. Oh, I'm glad you agree. I'm going to, I'm going to heart that. The heart button's really tiny. There we go. Um, yes, it, it's so true. It's like, so verlan is like when the word, the syllable is like reversed. Okay. Yeah. So um, meurf is another one, which is like a slang word for like my chick, my girlfriend, my my bird. Right. I, I hate that in English. Bird. bird. Yeah, I knew my bird went, ugh, ugh, ugh. Um, But anyway. <laughs> Does your fiancé call <laughs> you his bird? It's like, um, good God, no. No, no one, no one would get to be the stage of my fiance if they ever called me bird. No, um, but yeah, so like meh, which means it's like femme backwards. So it's oh. like the sound is reversed. Yeah, so yeah. Hamai is an example of that. Interesting. Yeah. I did not know that, and I had I've literally just looked at it and gone, oh, okay, yeah. See, I I would have as a German speaker, you think of a e as the a umlaut. So t in my head, it was always strome. Uh huh. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I'm reading it like a German, I guess. But you're right. It's, if you're thinking maestro, it would be stromae. Stromae. Mm. I don't hmm. Interesting. So either way, stromae um, is, a, is a Belgian artist who... Um, a fascinating, fascinating artist, really. Um, mostly because, I mean, we've just been to Belgium um, and half of Belgium doesn't even speak his language. Half of Belgium speaks Flemish which may or may not be a dialect of yeah. Dutch, but, you know, let's not get into that. <laughs> so, so I've got... Um, no, because, because now we have, we have a response to that now. As Andre said, a language is a dialect with an army and a navy. What about a country that has, like, three official languages or four? Swiss, you know, like, is, is Swiss, what is it, Romanche? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, does that count as having? Because I don't know much about that. Absolutely, it counts as a language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've got a little bit of Stromae. Stromae. You can listen to him. You don't even know how excited I am. Oh my god. And that's that. I'm sorry if the audio quality is literally um, about as good as when teenagers play music off their phones on the top of a bus. Um, which is because I have to play this off my phone. Um, but that was a bit of Stromae with the song. And the song is Tafet. Um, and I, I just never heard of this guy. And he's, he's very popular, like everywhere, isn't he? So popular. In fact, actually, um, I went to see him in December and Compassionate Language was at the same concert. Wow. But unfortunately, we couldn't see each other. But yes, yes, it was so good. I'm sure, she'll, I'm sure uh, Compassionate Language will vouch me. When I say how good it was, it was like the best concert ever. And, <laughs> and recently, um, he's released he's released um, a, a new video for a song called Conseil, mm-hmm. which is like spelt like this. Let me let me write this for you. So it's spelt like. Is this backwards uh, French again? No, <laughs> this isn't this isn't Verlaine anymore. It's spelt like this. Okay, so con meaning when and set being like it is when mm-hmm. is it Conseil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but the but i didn't even realize until i saw the video which is probably like almost two years after i first heard the song um that it's like actually the way he sings it is like cancer so it's like cancer yeah. in french and it, this whole song is just about cancer and like how sort of crazy uh uh it, I, just the video is just insane you, you have to see it definitely worth checking out wow okay um and he's popular he has done this sort of rare achievement of being an artist from oh producing music in in not english and still being reasonably popular in the uk or at least being kind of known in the uk like i have heard stormay on radio one and that's really 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 rare oh my goodness you haven't i have once I think oh. on a Sunday. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think see, they were just I, doing the charts. I, I don't think I, he gets I, on heavy rotation, but still, how how exciting oh. is that? That is ridiculously exciting. I wrote a post about my mm, couple of months ago, and I, I was really tempted to put on the bottom like, okay, we need to get him on Radio One. We need to get this mainstream, and then <laughs> and then I was like, oh, but no, I don't know, I don't know. And I was going to do the whole, I don't know if you know on Radio 1 in, in the UK, they do something, there's a guy on there called Greg James who does the afternoon shift. Mm-hmm. And um, he does a thing at six o'clock every day called the 10-minute takeover where he says, okay, start the clock. And people text, send a Facebook comment on their wall or tweet them I have at heard Radio this. 1. Yes, saying, yes. You know what I'm talking about, yeah? Saying which song they'd like to hear on the radio. And so then three songs get picked, one from the text, one from Twitter and one from Facebook. And those three songs get played as long as they haven't been played before in the show and they're in the Radio 1 music system. And I was thinking, oh, I should totally like try and like round, rally some support and be like, let's get Stromae in Radio 1. But then I was like, nah, I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know if I could. Maybe he's already been on Radio 1, but he has. So He has this is, been this is good on news. Radio 1, like once. Radio once. But yeah, again, if, if you're from <laughs> if you're from uh, another country and you, you're not familiar with Radio One, um, it's it's one of the main BBC radio stations, and it's kind of um, I always think of it as you listen to Radio One in the UK or BBC Radio One. If you're probably between twelve and or like between born and twenty five, that's kind of the target group, isn't it? Um, and I know I'm now on that edge age where I should be, or I know a lot of people listen to Radio 2, but for me, it still feels like a lot of it is too old. But sometimes I listen to a show on Radio 1 and I'm thinking, sigh, this is so boring. <laughs> you know, when if they play just a <laughs> dubstep or something like that. So Radio 1 is a bit more on the edge. So moving on from Stromae, um, what is the second most popular language in our list? It's, um, could it be Italian? It's probably Spanish because I put this list together and <laughs> that's what I know. Yeah. Like seriously, if people if people have any suggestions, please pop them in the in the chat box. There's a few there's a few Scandinavian songs on the list so far. Yeah, there's some um, really good Danish that uh, Katrin Katrin James, the old Katrin, uh, she suggested some really great uh, Danish stuff, and I really particularly enjoyed. You put that in as well, Rasmus Seebach. I'm pronouncing this again like a German. Um, Chris, you can probably tell us if I'm doing this in any particular way, any justice. Um, but Rasmus Sibach, um, and there were several songs of his that um, I researched as part of this that were really, really good. There's also um, a Danish group, I think, that he works with called Ankes Tjerne. Um, and there was a song called, well, what looks to me like 1,000 years, but I don't know how to say 1,000 in Danish, so it's 1,000 or. <laughs> um and I really, really enjoyed some of this. So I'm just going to see if I can find some um, and play it on here on the podcast because that was really, yeah. How did you know about Rasmus Sebach, Lindsay? Um, the Spotify charts, if I added it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like Danish hip hop. I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, hip hop or rap. So let me just see if I can find some. And yeah, I mean, beyond Stromae, there's, there's so, so much. So what else did we have that's Scandinavian? We've got a few Swedish uh, songs that you found. Yes, there's a few Swedish songs. There's a lot of it is kind of like, at the minute, it's kind of like dancey, rappy stuff because it's just from the charts, as I say. But um, let me see. I'm just going to open the yeah. playlist. I've, I've got the chat on my iPad now, so I'm opening the playlist on the computer. Fabulous. I can hear a crazy echo. Let me see. So yeah. Rasmus Sibach sounds a bit like this. Let me skip ahead to some actual Danish. saying but he's really fit he's really handsome he's really fit <laughs> <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> that's terrible that's very british i think when people say that <laughs> but honestly what? this is a very handsome man <laughs> <laughs> no 
you've been living here. You're, you're such a Brit. You're such a Brit. <laughs> um, uh, well, at my German wedding, um, my German wedding was uh, a week before my 12th living abroad anniversary. And we we did some German mm. traditions that made me feel like, what, what where am I from again? I had, what, what? And it was really complicated to, to kind of get my head around. But we did saw a log. Let me just report that we did saw a log. That's cool. Yeah, that's something that um, that you do as a as a married couple in Germany. And we had to do it um, before we could get into our actual wedding celebration. So there was the coffee and cake kind of waiting there for us. But Christian and I had to do some you know, like hard labor first. And me in my huge wedding dress. Uh, I'm gonna at one point. I'm gonna actually post a picture, perhaps, or if you've. Um, if you you know noticed me on Facebook or on Twitter, uh, you may have seen my wedding dress, which was just enormous. Um, and in, in Germany, it was it, it was the last weekend in August, and it was thirty four degrees outside. Oh, and wow. I know, and there's us doing some like lumberjacking. I guess that's the thing with a wedding dress in the heat, because you feel like it's like oh yeah, it's strapless or whatever. But actually, I guess there's a lot of layers going on down below that you know <laughs> yeah. truly stuff kind of passing out that's gonna that's gonna be pretty <laughs> feeling the heat <laughs> oh yeah i was most certainly feeling the heat and in classic german um um or German village fashion, you know, kind of uh, uh, slightly like, oh, women can't do things. So um, what happened was that um, um, a man came and took over from me because I wasn't doing very well. Um, and then it turned out he couldn't do anything at all because our saw was actually really blunt. And then our neighbor came in with a chainsaw and sawed the log for us. <laughs> The love for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, just in case you guys want to get married in a German village um, ever in your life, talk to me first because I've, I've been there, I've done it, and it's uh, interesting. <laughs> so, from Rasmus Seebach, um, I want to mention some of that, all of this music from Finland. You have you found so much Finnish music. I was it's so impressed. Like, I went through some of the, the, the charts on Spotify, and some of them, I think, which one had, like, no songs in my language? I can't remember. Maybe maybe Poland, I think. It was just all in English. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no. And then I got to Finland. I was like, wow, okay. Add, add, add. Yeah, there was so, so many. I know, it's, it's all in... Uh, and the, the range of music goes really far, because when I think of Finnish music, I'm kind of thinking, okay, it's, it's sort of almost old school like rock music right Finnish music to me is is I'm thinking about rock but there was a few um you're thinking about Lordi you're thinking about Lordi essentially aren't you not just I'm thinking about yeah yeah well Lordi most certainly but there was a a track (laughs) (laughs) that I do remember them yeah (laughs) but there was no not at all um Lordi um I don't know does anyone Oh, God, and Nightwish. Yeah, and just generally kind of, I don't know, I'm thinking about men with long hair, to be honest, um, which Nightwish which probably doesn't do Finland any justice. Sorry? Um, compassionate Language has just said Nightwish. Do they sing in Finnish? Should I add them to the list? I'm looking now. Oh, uh, English. They sing in English. I've heard of Nightwish, though. And n- okay. night, see, Nightwish are kind of like a, a lot that, that nerds listen to Nightwish, right? No, don't add them. <laughs> don't do I that. Won't, I, won't add, I won't add them. No. They're all in English. 
But yeah. there was a song. There was a song that's kind of much more pop music, hip hoppy, um, which I'm just gonna try and see if I can play it. Um, and that was by Robin, uh, featuring Santa Cruz, Nikki Ankara, Paredi, and you see. Uh, 69. I'm so sorry. I have I have non-existent fin- Finnish skills. Um, and the song is called Yökulu Meile. Um, and it's that is definitely not rock music. So I was I was like like you. I was incredibly impressed by Finland. So we've got this here. <laughs> See, that's got a bit of rock guitar in, but that's not really a classic kind of, you know, like, um, it's not hair rock. Who let those teenagers on the bus? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What about PMMP? What? It, what, 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 what you okay. PMMP? Okay, never mind. <laughs> Um, okay, so well, shall we shall we move on to what do you what do you want to talk about next? French music or German music? Well, I could talk about French music all day, so it's probably not a good idea to get me started. Kind of five minutes before we're due to end, because I'll just be all on that, and we won't talk about anything else. And did you um, were you surprised by? Like the variety, because I think especially the German tracks that that um, I, I listened to in this list, I tried my best to listen to most of the list. Um, I found there was a huge variety in the German tracks. Yeah, there's, there's. I like, um, I like. Okay, so like, I, I think in like in general, I think I have quite a wide taste in music, but normally, in terms of kind of rap stuff, I like Eminem. And that's probably about it in terms of English spoken rap. But there's a lot of French rap, and there's also a lot of German rap that I found, like um, kind of kind of rap pop, I would say, kind of like on the list. There's Crow, mm. there's Prince P. Yeah, um, that kind of stuff is like I, I find some languages lend themselves really nicely to rap music and, and to the kind of the, the rhythm and the pace and the speed of rap. That's actually true. I think. I think with you, with German, particular, I guess, because German German does lend itself to kind of picking up a bit of rhythm in the language. Mm. So that's a that's a very interesting thing. Go. But that's then, like, what I'm thinking is, I'm thinking about Zöne Mannheims, which is, um, you know, a, a, pretty much a soul group. And there's uh, Xavier Naidu, this German singer who is um, has been around for about ten years, and he's a, he's pretty much a soul guy. So they do. Here's a bit of Zöne Mannheims. I really, really like him. I really, really love his voice and just the way he he enjoys, you know, like like he. It's very uh, Xavier Naidoo is, is doesn't make a big uh, secret out of his his religiousness as well. Like he will sing about God and stuff, and he is church religious as well. So he's kind of a new young generation yeah. of of 
German learner, oh, German learner bobbins, German singer, German musician who, you know, you wouldn't, you just wouldn't expect that to come out of that country. Um, whereas maybe with English, we're just, we're expecting more because we are much more familiar with more. So I just, I'm just loving the variety that's out there. Um, and I just wanted to give a quick shout out to, um, first of all, Seed, Seed with three E's. Um, it's, it's one of my absolute German favorites and they do dance hall music. Did you have you have you heard about Seed before? I have not. Oh my god, what amazing. <gasps> They're so good. They're so good. They're so good. I'm gonna find some. I'm gonna play it um on oh. three teenagers <laughs> on a bus uh, filter here. <laughs> uh, and the other shout out that I something I really enjoyed was um a group called Tsunami and they're Welsh. Um and they sing in Welsh. Yay! Uh, and um, I, I understood like three words. Lyrics, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's kind of like a, they look a bit like, they look quite young. They sort of look maybe early 20s kind of guys. And um, they've got two songs on this list. We've got Minda Dod, which means, which means, oh my God, you're here, Kirsten's Welsh. Um, it means go and come. <laughs> yeah, I can speak much. <laughs> God, I do apologize. But that's about right. that's about as good as my Welsh is at the moment for you know understanding word. Um, and they've got a song called Gureziao, um, and absolutely just loved it. Oh, Eugene asks, what do we think about German rap? I, um, I'm I'm a bit. Trying. I said I love it. Yeah, I I mean I love German rap. I think I think there's a lot out there, but I'm I'm very outdated in my knowledge of German music in that sense. I'm sort of like a, you know, I know the Fantastische Vier. Mm, and I'm a more, I'm more of a German kind of indie fan. So I'm more of a, um, uh-huh. like when I was, when I was living in Germany and stuff, I, I was much more about, I was really into music like, like there's, there's a band called Blumentopf and there's Tomte and Tokotronic and stuff. So I'm more of a Hamburger Schule person. Um, but so uh, German rap is good, but it's just not what I ever like really used to listen to. Um, so it's a bit, it's a bit weird to me. Um, I, I tend to like things that have got a melody. I, I wish maybe I'm opening a whole like, um, kind of worms here, but I wish I, there was more, um, international folk music, um, that, that you can kind of listen to, you know, similar to, because I'm a big fan of Bell and Sebastian, a Scottish band who kind of do these kind of dum de dum de dum wonderful harmonies. And that's the kind of music I like, which is also why I put Sigur Ross on the list, which is also this sort of very chilled out uh, Icelandic music who sing sometimes in Icelandic when they sing music, when they sing words at all, because um, it's mostly just long sort of, you know, like bits. But um, I, I wish I, w- I knew more kind of gentle folk music in various different languages, various different countries. So um, I don't know if there's any Finnish uh, sort of gentle folk music that you guys know. That would be really cool. I would love to listen to some of that with little harmonies and stuff. There's some really good French things in that area. Right, Lindsay, are you ready for some seed? Am I ready for some what, sorry? Some seed. Seed? Oh, okay. Right, I'm going to go for it. Berlin, 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 Berlin,
So that was the song that the um, Compassionate Language suggested then, which is uh, Dickes B. It's about Berlin. It was probably their first sort right. of big hit. And yeah, I know, I know, I'm, I'm dancing. I've just, my, my back has been hurting. So today for my desk, I finally got this sort of, you know, I've got one of those bouncy balls. So I've mostly been bouncing around to international music uh -huh. all day long. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> dancing around the kitchen. <laughs> oh, That's a God. good thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a, you know, like dance hall is a, is really not a, a direction of music that you would associate with Europe and something that, that we've, you know, like not the Germans have claimed, but Seed have done a really good job of doing it in German. And there was something else that I found in the list that you were playing and it had a little bit of that kind of hint of it as well in there. Let me just find it. Oh, it was in Italian. It was Danzare by Vito La Vita. Oh, yes. And that was a bit, that has this bit in the middle where it just goes, dum -da -dum -da -dum. Um, and I really enjoyed that. So that's my terrible impression of dancehall then. <laughs> So I'm just going to find that song for you as well. Um, compassionate language suggests oh shoegazy music. I didn't know that that was a thing outside oh, the one. UK. Shoegaze is more British, right? I think so. But I've added I've added a song by Paris. I'm never sure how to say this, but like Paris in Quebec. Paris in Quebec. Yeah, Quebec, Quebec. Quebec. Okay. And we've had Bushido as well, which is, yeah, that's, that is really German rap. And, yeah. You know, like really sort of, I'm from the streets and, you know, like very, um, very strong sort of cultural identity as well, along with the music. I tell you what, though, you know, you've studied too many languages when you're talking about German rap and someone says Bushido and I'm looking at Eugene's comment thinking, Bushido, I'm thinking, is that in Chinese? Like, <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows any Chinese, but like, boo is like the negative. She is the, the word for B. So I'm thinking, not do. I'm like, what is do? What's do in Chinese? I don't know. <laughs> but no, it's just German rap. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, just a, it's just a guy from Germany who's a rapper. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of that. And there's another German soul guy whose name is uh, Light Aldin. So again, like, I think um, immigration and migration in general. Hey, Catherine! Um, immigration and migration in general has added so much to the musical landscapes of the different countries. And that might be another reason why France produces a lot of interesting and very varied music. Um, and I know that in Germany, certainly the, you know, like the migrant communities or the, the, the kind of communities where maybe their parents will have come from a different countries, um, they they really bring in a level of um they bring in something new and that, that you need that to kind of modernize music right as they look for identity this is the identity show oh bushido actually means something in japanese oh what does it mean what does it mean i don't know does anyone know what it means this is exciting i think i think eugene might know and perhaps Israel might know as well. So it's Japanese. I wonder if, um, if, if, if anyone listening has any suggestions for any music, any kind of sort of modern uh, music from the kind of Slavic or the Balkans, 
Um, that would be really cool because I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't really find any on Spotify with just a quick search. So if anyone has any suggestions for that, I'd love to add that to the list. And yeah, because the the, the one suggestion that I got, which was a, a Romanian song, was Dragostea Dinte. That's not really very innovative, but it, you know, it yeah. is. It is in Romanian, <laughs> <I don't... laughs> and it is awesome. <laughs> Oh, it says Bushido is Japanese. Ah, it means way of the warrior. That's what, we, that's what Wikipedia nice. says. Thank you, Eugene. Yeah, so so this a... is what happens when you get so many people that speak different languages in one place. <laughs> True. Right, I'm just going to play a little bit of the Italian um, song Danzare that we, we mentioned earlier, which uh, this is very chart poppy. I love Dragostead oh, in Tay, Chris. Chris is going to leave. Chris is going to leave. I will not play it because on, on the grounds that everybody <laughs> probably already knows it, I love it. But okay, so this is Danzare by Vito La Vita. It's a bit chart poppy, isn't it? It is. It is. A lot of a lot of the stuff that I could I could find um, kind of easily is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. and um, Italian. I think Ita- Italy in general. When I think about Italian music, um, you know, my my man Eros directly comes to my mind, and I don't know if he's still really producing music. And I guess he's you know it's not exactly cool music, but God, do I love Eros Ramazzotti. Is that, I don't know, I've never heard of him. Ah, oh, maybe it's because I'm German. I can't. He's very popular in Germany. Um, Ooh, right. so that's a huge... He had a song and with Tina Turner. to NYC? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's, huge. it's the polyglot something in, in what is that's it? Nice. Sorry, I can't tell them apart. The polyglot conference, right? Not gathering. I think it's a polyglot conference. Or have I mixed them up now? It's the gathering? In New York, it's the, uh, no, it's the conference in New York. Mm-hmm. In, in a couple of weeks time. I'm not going, unfortunately. October is going to be rather busy for me. <laughs> yeah, and I've I just... quite fit it in. No, I've just posted our... Um, or oh, tomorrow on the blog, on Fluent, you're going to see the... And I'm so excited. I kept wanting to put it out now, but I wanted people to notice the live broadcast and there's too much going on. But um, I've posted the itinerary of our interrail honeymoon. You know, actually to tell people where we went. People kept asking me where have we gone on honeymoon. It was just amazing. Um, And I don't feel like like I've even scratched the surface of Europe. Like, like... I really don't. I feel like I feel like we could have done so much more in terms of like. But what? How much can you cram in two weeks of travel? Yeah, you know. So we went to. (laughs) This is so true. We went to Italy. We went to the We went to the expo. And I was incredibly excited about going to the expo. In case, do you know what the expo is? Expo, like, yeah, it happens. Is it every year? Expo? In a different place? I don't or is know. it kind of. Every five years, I thought? Every five years? Okay. It's, well, either way, it's in Milan this year, and the expo is the continuation of what used to be the World's Fair. So it's kind of like this big. Um, right. It's this big. Uh, massive exhibition like this on this huge exhibition ground um, and every country in the world or as as close as you get to every country in the world has got um, 
has got a pavilion, so you can go and visit their pavilions. And we we wow, made the mistake. That's excited. I know, it's I know. Like, it's a small world, but for adults. Have I got? Is that kind of what it is? It not? is a cool. bit. It is a bit of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least that's how I thought that's it would be. I was very excited about going to Expo because I thought, oh my god, I'm going to go to the pavilion of. Every country, every country, and I'm going to meet somebody from every country. Um, and we made the mistake of going on a Saturday, and it was a bit too crowded. So we mostly spent our time queuing. We were there for 13 hours, and I think we went to about nine or ten pavilions only, um, which is a shame. Yeah. We spent an hour queuing for Korea, um, and just to be then given a tour and, and kind of unable to walk around. I wasn't that Korea was very interesting. The, the whole exhibition this year is food themed. So it was kind of interesting, but I don't think it's worth queuing for a whole hour um, to get into the Korean did you pavilion. Get samples? Did you get food samples? No, you had to pay for everything. Everything cost Oh, money. you're kidding. No. And it costs, it costs like 50 euros to get in as well per person. So uh, if you are going yeah. to Expo, just bring a picnic. That's my pro tip there. If you're going to Expo, go on a Monday and bring a picnic. Um, and still go, even though I don't sound that excited. It was worth it. And I'm extremely proud and, and, and grateful that I went. And the great thing was that because the bigger, more commonly known countries had such long queues... Um, we started just checking out all the little ones, like the really little, you know, and I learned a lot about, where did I go? Um, East Timor. And I didn't even know where East Timor is. So Ooh. that was good. Um, yeah. And you actually met people from, you know, each country. A lot of the staff were Italian, but each pavilion did have a few, you know, nationals from that country. We went to Burundi, had a great time there. And I bought some chocolate from Sao Tome and Principe, 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 um, and learned Ooh. where that is. And it was, yeah, that was really fabulous. You know, all the little ones were kind of great. And then the the big countries, the big major countries, you had to queue up for a long, long time for. But it is worth, you know, if Expo comes near to your country, I think go. The one thing I hadn't expected was, you know, when you're thinking about the World's Fair and international exhibition, you don't think about, I don't know, you just don't, ex I didn't expect there to be like a big language barrier. But because it's held in Italy... A lot of stuff was in Italian, and while I can read Italian, I can't really follow, you know, high-speed spoken Italian. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we, we kind yeah. of we kind of missed so it out. Be, it could be a language trip, couldn't it? If you if it was going to somewhere where you've been learning the language, that would be amazing, amazing thing to do. I know, I know. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Like, yeah. That'd be so cool. Yeah. And actually wow. they might, I mean, seeing as this year's exhibition was food themed and I know past exhibitions have been all about technology, they may one day imagine if there was a world's fair where each country presents its languages, its official languages. How exciting. Oh my goodness. That would be amazing. I know. I know. I think That'd I'd live there. That would be so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so absolutely, so. massively, massively excited about that. So, to end our language chart, end, I don't know, are we, um, I'm going to play you some Eros, especially yeah. if you've never heard Eros before, you need to, you know, I'm excited because Catherine says he sings through his nose. And that's good? I'm excited to hear how that sounds. Oh, okay. Wait, sounds, <laughs> so this is, this is classic, this is old school Eros. Si potrebbe cantarla un milione, un milione 
Basta se già, basta se già, non ci vorrebbe poi tanto a imparare ad amare di più. Se bastasse una vera... God, it's all I can do to not sing along. In my, in my made-up terrible Italian. Like it feels... It feels wrong to listen to that digitally. I want, I need a gramophone <laughs> and like a, a vinyl record player. You know, it's from the nineties. It's not that old. It's from the nineties. <laughs> You're kidding me. I do. That is I, not from the same decade that brought us boom, shake, shake, shake the room and, and the Venga Boys, the hot stepper, <laughs> and the Venga, Venga Boys. No, oh, it is. It, it truly is. It truly is. You know, the, the only French song that my husband wow. knows um, and can maybe pronounce, although he doesn't, um, is uh, the Sash song. You know, like, Mesdames, Messieurs, le disque jockey, Sash de retour. Oh, except, yes. Except he yeah, thinks the nice. words are, Je yeah, regarde le disque jockey. <laughs> and always just says, Je regarde <laughs> le disque jockey. <laughs> but it's, it's that, oh. that kind of catchphrasey small marginal amounts of of language and summer hits you know like from italian or spanish islands and um and portuguese islands they that's all that makes it ever to the uk isn't it or everybody thinks german music pretty much ends and starts with 99 red balloons (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and even then we get the english version anyway so (laughs) It's it's really difficult, and in that sense, that brings me back to um, perhaps if you're thinking about the European Day of Languages, if I, if there was one campaign that I wish were, would gain traction at the European Day of Languages is to bring back Eurovision in the individual languages of the countries. Oh, oh my goodness! I think there's a lot of people that would uh, that would love that. I'm I'm so in favour of that. It's the one celebration that we have, and I know it's terrible, terrible music sometimes, but it's the one celebration we have around the year that actually looks at what music is produced in other countries that aren't, you know, like like that just mm-hmm. goes past the mainstream. Oh, yeah, Catherine and Catherine, think about imagine if the UK entry was Welsh, or, or was in like Scots Gaelic or something like that. Cornish. That would be cool. Is Cornish dead yet? <laughs> what a thing to say. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> you say it like you're anticipating it. Is it, is it died yet? Is it, come on. I thought I'd... No, no, it's, it's because I read a David Crystal. I think I read... Oh, I can't remember which David Crystal I read. I think it was um, Guided Tour of the English Language. Um, and I seem to remember think in reading that like the last um native cornish speaker like was this old lady and she you know she's long you know she's she passed away a few a few maybe decades ago oh, yeah i think you know I there's think, this story yeah. so i, I thought maybe nobody native, speaks like, cornish anymore first language yeah 
but they're trying to aren't they try, are they still i think they're trying to bring back like road signs and stuff bilingually they're doing some revival stuff i think mm. well i think i think we have a lot to learn from wales the you know like i know i'm banging on about welsh an awful lot at the moment which it's it's interesting to exactly 1.5 people who listen who might have ever looked at welsh um but i think it's really impressive and i've recently heard um an episode of the world in words um, which is a well-produced podcast. If you, in case you you're sick of our echo and uh, teenager on the bus audio quality, listen to the world in words, which is a really well-produced podcast. Um, and they did a report about Welsh, the Welsh language, and how the revival of Welsh and the just the way that it's become a thing again and sort of brought back from the brink. It's something that a lot of other countries with minority languages are really, really, really staring at and really kind of going, okay, how are they doing this? So I guess maybe bilingual road signs and, and you know, it's, you need a government kind of behind the agenda, don't you? Mm, mm. Yeah, there has to be some, you know, like big level support. Well, something completely outside of Europe that has been very interesting to me lately um, in terms of the, the Spanish essay that I did, that I, did um, I wrote a third of it was about um, Paraguay and the situation there. Whereas you think, okay, Paraguay in yeah. South America. Oh, Guarani, right? Spanish. But actually, yeah, we spoke about this, right? Don't know. I did. I did a. I did a presentation oh, when, yeah. I, when I was learning Spanish. I did a presentation about Paraguay once. That's the only reason I know. Oh yes. Well, they. Yeah. So they speak Guarani, and it's it's one of well, it's at least the only in in Latin America, the only occasion where um, a native indigenous language is more spoken than the colonial language, which is amazing like you know how and and why you know what made that happen there in comparison to everywhere else i find it it's been it's been really really interesting to to learn about that Mm -hmm. oh my god that's really that's really really interesting it reminds me as well of um you know when you say colonial language makes me think about new zealand um and seeing as the rugby world cup is on at the moment um the way they celebrate (laughs) the way they celebrate um the hacker is to me is always incredibly fascinating and that is something that you know like okay we are all these white guys all these uh, like new zealand you know just we're all these guys who who, who play a sport that isn't indigenous um we're all going to stand here and shout a warrior cry from our native from our native yeah native population or original population or however you wish to call it yeah and it's so popular like the whole stadium will just go silent absolutely silent but we uh the, the match we're actually going to go and see one of the matches um in Milton Keynes I think oh my god you Thursday, are Thursday I think who's playing um or Tuesday uh it's Fiji and Uruguay and so Fiji the the match that I watched earlier with Fiji they actually had their their own kind of similar version of this sort of prep dance thing mm-hmm. um I can't it, I can't remember the the proper name for it it wasn't called Hacker like the like the the New Zealand one um, but yeah, so I'm really excited because we're going to see it live. Yay! Oh my god, I dream. I I would love to see. I would love to see. You know, like th- these sort of. At least the hacker. I would love to see the hacker live. That's the most famous one. Yeah. But I've I've, I've been watching ladies' versions of it as well. <laughs> they do it in ladies' rugby, you know. Um, and it's oh, it's wow. a lot. Yeah, it's a lot more choreographed. It's a lot. It kind of it looks fancier even or to me it did and it's very interesting because it's a war cry right and when men do it it's this real sort of intimidation and we're ready bring it on for you um and when women do it it kind of has the same thing but you do have 
female voices do carry differently to male voices and it has a completely different effect. It's very interesting. Mm, very, very interesting. Yeah. But um, I've been, re I don't know, I, I kind of went down an internet rabbit hole about the haka last week. Um, and I also, I saw the Fiji version. <laughs> I, I love saw... that term, internet rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. I saw, um, I saw a... Ooh, my grandmother was Cornish. Oh, wow. Thanks for sharing that link. We will put that in the show notes. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, thanks, Emma. Nice. Yeah, I think... That's cool. I mean, my grandmother um, died this year. And with her, I feel like, not with her, you know, like generally, but certainly a big uh, bastion of dialect kind of goes when the older generation goes. Yeah. And it's, yeah, you know, you do, definitely. you know, and, and I was thinking like, have I ever recorded her speaking dialect? I don't think I have. I don't know what it's like for, you know, like, I mean, we've got uh, Emma's grandmother there who spoke Cornish. And what are your grandparents like? What are, are their languages? Is their spoken language very different to what you speak? And you guys in the chat room, you know, what do your grandparents speak differently to how you speak? Mine definitely do. Mine do because they're Scottish. They, when I, they have, they bought recently a small, tiny um, dictionary, uh, like a small kind of Collins gem Scots dictionary. And... I can understand them perfectly, of course, but then there, every now and then there'll be the odd word. And I just, you know, reach over to the little dictionary, have a little look what they're saying. <laughs> That's quite fun. I feel like n n lately, for some reason, they seem to be getting more Scottish, despite having lived here for 20 plus years now. What makes you think they're getting more really Scottish? Understand. They seem to be using more and more words lately that I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. I can't figure out why. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, I could, yeah, I could maybe name like five Scottish words or something like that. There's, there's loch, there's bairn, isn't there? Um, yeah. And then there's a word for fog or like misty weather that my friend who moved to Edinburgh said. And I thought, oh, oh um, har or yeah, something. Yeah, it begins with a D. Like, is it something like drech? Oh. Is that wet? Yeah, oh, drech dre is, is... All I know is in the name of the wee man. That's my favourite. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's wee, of course. That's that's Scottish. Yeah. And that's, I that's mean... my favourite one. From the Scottish language, I think more has kind of crossed over into... Uh, what, what, uh, England English? I don't know. Like media English, mainstream English. More has crossed over than from Welsh, I suppose. Because what do we... We don't have a lot from Welsh. Catherine, correct me if I'm wrong. I suppose so. Or from Irish? We, in terms of um, like accent representation, coming back to Radio 1, yeah, yeah. the radio that I've now discovered has played Stromae. Um, they have a very... Um, he speaks English, obviously, because he's on national radio, but a very, very um, strongly Welsh-accented um, newsreader on News Radio 1. Oh, is it? Is this? Is this to do with the vid? No, it's not to do with the weather presenter who um, was reporting no, that no, the no, 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 highest no. temperature <laughs> in the UK was in Chlanvir, endless, the the longest word ever. No, no, but he, no, no, he's just he's just a news a news uh, presenter, but he has the best Welsh accent that I think I've ever heard in my life. Wow, it is so strong, and it's just like I just want to listen to you all day. <laughs> oh, I have to go. 
What you know the guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he is so Welsh. He really is. He really is. <laughs> it's so true. I think we have to say goodbye to Elenig. And I'm going to have to go soon too because I have lessons to get to do. Yeah, evening. well, yeah. Oh, we got things, so, things to see people to. 1 a.m. Things to. Oh, yes. she. Well, she's in Australia. Wow. Awesome. This is this is an incredible, you know, for our first broadcast experience, can I just say thank you guys so much for um, dealing with the terrible echoes, dealing with all That's of our fun. technical, my internet cutting out and completely cutting off the whole, um, oh, Russia, oh, привет, um, the whole um, nightmarish uh, scenario that, that happened. And, you know, you still stuck with us. And I'm so extremely grateful that you did. Um, and would you like to, would you like to, us to try this again at any point? Uh, if, if yes, then please just, you know, let us know. It's, it's really, I'm really glad that you joined us. Lindsay is LD languages on the, on the Twitter. And I think Twitter is, um, uh, Twitter is, um, Pretty much, uh, for me at least, it's the best place to kind of follow and um, c keep up with, with what I'm up to. It's either Twitter or Facebook, um, and I'm not really as as down with the kids. I, I'm still, I'm, I'm just getting used to Instagram, really. I'm old now. Instagram's fun. Instagram's my favorite. Is it? Oh, yeah. I've, since discovering Word okay. Swag um, and, and being able to use it for languages, I'm, I'm very, very excited to, you know, I'm going to rejoin the Instagram language challenge as well for October. Who's curating it? Nice. I'm curating in October and in October it's all about opposites. Oh. So there's two words for each day and you can decide how you interpret that. You know, do you say, oh, well, I know that word, but actually I don't know the opposite to that. So I'm just going to focus on that. Or you can learn both words. Or you can say, hmm, well, I know both of these words, but what's another way that I could say that? So it's all about giving you a, a base that you can, a, you know, a prompt that you can really expand upon in your own complete own way that works for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's that's really, really interesting. And I really love yeah. the um, variety that the Instagram language challenge allows us to, you know, to bring into language learning. I really enjoyed actually the, the basics month that you did, you know, cause I just started with Welsh and that was really good yeah. because it allowed me to, um, you know, kind of solidify all of my foundations before moving on. That was really good. Nice. I think there'll probably be another basics month in January, I think, because that was really popular. A lot of people, um, really enjoyed that one, I think. So, yeah, we'll probably in January have another basics one so we can kind of all start again with a new language. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. And January is that kind of time as well. Ooh, apologize. I've got a little exactly, motorbike kind of exactly. going around outside. Okay, well, I yeah, shall... Exactly. Um, I shall also say goodbye. Okay, I am not as as well organized as Lindsay is, so I'm I'm one of those terrible people who've got seven usernames on all these different places. So the easiest way to find me is to go and follow Kirsten Hammers on Twitter. And I know that's my maiden name. And I was doing new business cards today, and I thought, damn it, that's my maiden name. And now I'm called Cable, and I don't know what to do. But I'm just going to stay Kirsten Hammers because I've already confused people enough changing from fluent language and I'm, I'm going to sort it out very soon um, but that's me on Twitter um, and you'll just follow me and once you've clicked follow um, I can change my name however I want and you're still going to you know you're still going to follow me so it's not quite as much of a mess as you think it would be and I am fluent language on Facebook that's way easier <laughs> that's that's that and those are really the the two main 
areas where you can find me on the internet. And Lindsay is also at fluent. No, Lindsay is a fluent language. <laughs> Lindsay is at lindsaydoeslanguages.com and Kirsten's at fluentlanguage.co.uk. And I think I'm going to thank you guys for listening and let you all go and, you know, get, go to bed or, you know, like enjoy your day in the various different places. And this has been really, really fun, uh, especially doing the international language charts. And that is it for our recording of the live broadcast for European Day of Languages featuring Lindsay Dow and Kirsten Cable. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed it. I think the recording has actually turned out very well and I've done as much editing as I could for you to take out any aspects that would have made it less enjoyable. We'll see you soon up to the next episode. Bye! Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and to rate the podcast in iTunes or on Stitcher. That's always very much appreciated. If you have any feedback or you've got any questions, you can email me, Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, or you can find me on Facebook, Fluent Language Tuition, or on Twitter, at Kirsten Hammers, that is K-E-R-S-T-I-N, H-A-M-M-E-S. -M -M -E